Side Broadcast, the best Vox casting either side of the breach. if I moor the pronunciation of any of these items. One set of silken robes, blue in colour, covered in stars and pig faces. One metal fan, rusty and sharp. Be warned, folks, this could take your eye out. One brown leather bag with intricate metalwork along the handles. The bag is said to moan in anguish from time to time, but is otherwise perfectly friendly. Also, amongst these items were numerous bundles of guild script, a pocket watch, and antique tomes. Should anyone be wandering around the bayou and happen upon this muddy hall, please deposit it at the entrance to the Little Kingdom, and back away slowly, with no questions asked. The Rifleman is our story for this show. Without further ado, let us get to it. The Rifleman Percival Jones reached into the pouch on his belt and pulled out some chewing tobacco. He rolled it between his fingers for a moment before depositing it between lip and gum. He made no attempt to chew quietly as he studied the woman in front of him. Elsa Mills was clearly a woman of money. She wore the sort of long dress that would be ruined during a day's work, especially out here on the frontier town where he'd been dispatched to retrieve her. Why she was this far from civilization wasn't his concern, and he was already a little irritated that it had taken him several days to even track her down. She batted her painted eyes and adjusted her hat, clearly uncomfortable to be sitting in a saloon. Compounded upon the unsavory nature of the place, it meant sitting across from such an intimidating member of the guild. Percival was tall, but that wasn't what made her nervous. It was that the gun he carried was larger than any she had seen before. The casual way he spun it around to lean barrel against the table warned everyone that it was for more than show. Percival spat, and she jumped as the wad hit the side of a cup on the floor. The cup spun around for a moment, filling the room with the sound of ringing metal. Mr. Jones, she began, with her lips pressed together in a sign of disgust. Percival, too many Jones out here. Percival rolled his tongue in his mouth, leaned back and continued to chew without taking his eyes off her. Percival, then. She shifted her shoulders as if saying his name somehow made her even more uncomfortable. I was assured of guild cooperation. It is imperative that I reach promise safely. Assured? He leaned back and rolled the tobacco around in his mouth. How much assured? His yellow grin was confirmation enough that while she could count on help, it was by no means going to come free of expense. Assurance enough. Elsa let out her breath and reached into her bag for the script she had budgeted for the occasion. She placed a few strips of the colourful paper on the table, looked at him, then added another note. Each bill had been laid with the guild's ram facing up and pointed towards him. The rifleman nodded and they stood. 
Percival swept the papers off the table and tucked them into a pocket. We got a deal, then. He spat, and once more the cup on the ground spun, filling the air like a tiny bell. Elsa was hesitant to shake his hand and confirm the deal yet. I won't have any of that while we're riding together, Percival. She eyed the spit cup, then looked back at him. He was pulling another wad of chew and stuffing it into his mouth. I won't have it all over my wagon. You don't have to worry about that, Miss Mills. He gave her a smile that was fouled by shreds of tobacco stuck between his teeth. I don't ever miss. They're gaining. The cracking voice came from one of the riders on his left. Percival looked over at the guild guard and shrugged. The dust cloud behind them had been growing larger for the past hour, and they could smell the rotted flesh of their pursuers on the heat of the desert wind. When the horde had first appeared, it had seemed that they were moving much too slowly to have a chance of catching the small caravan. But after a few hours, they realized that they had underestimated the speed of the undead. They've been gaining. Don't stop. We got time. Percival pinched some of the loose tobacco from the pouch resting on his knee and stuffed it in the side of his mouth. Even in the heat of the desert, he wore a long leather jacket and wide-brimmed hat. A bandana covered his face to protect against the grit kicked up by the horses and the ancient cart dragging behind them. We don't have that much time, Percival. Elsa sat on his right, looking wilted and out of place. As she spoke, she covered her mouth with a white hanky and wrinkled her nose. They'll be on us even before we reach the old Red River. He chewed thoughtfully for a moment, then pushed the wad against one cheek with his tongue. Barely glancing back at the dust cloud, he shrugged again. Yep. The lady shifted in the seat on the front of the wagon and placed a hand on the brown paper package cradled in her lap. It was wrapped loosely in paper and twine, and it hadn't left her sight in the three days of hard travel. I certainly didn't come all this way just to... She stopped talking as Percival rose and dropped the reins in her lap. What is this? Don't let him fall. He passed her the pouch of chewing tobacco and picked up the long-barreled gun that had been resting by their feet. There wasn't much room in the back of the cart, but he stepped around the expensive trunks that held the woman's luggage and sat on one of the guild's supply crates. The lady's protest died when he lifted the gun and took aim with the shapeless horn. Percival licked his lips, spat some of the chew over the side of the cart, and waited for the right moment. Through the scope of his rifle, he counted silhouettes to himself. With a bit of mental accounting, he could tell that they would need all the ammo on board and maybe more to put down so many. Undead don't usually die with a single bullet. The echo of his first shot slammed through the otherwise quiet terrain. Elsa inexpertly recoiled at the report, crying out and pulling back on the reins in surprise. The horses reared and the cart pulled to a fast stop. The luggage slid towards the front, fouling the gunman's position and forcing him to brace himself to avoid a fall. I was surprised. Elsa patted her forehead with her handkerchief and then began to adjust the bobby pins holding her hat and veil in position. Percival stepped over the divider and snatched the reins back from her. He muttered something and then turned back to line up another shot. Racing against the seat, he snapped the reins and the horses began to move again. He crouched to prevent pulling up on the horse's bits, slowly let out a breath, and fired again. In the distance, one of the undead toppled over. His fingers moved rapidly, working the rifle. Another shot. It wounded but left the undead walking. Percival swore. 
earning himself a sidelong glance from Elsa, that undead took another bullet to his chest and fell to be trampled by his companions. The horses began to tire. They couldn't ride indefinitely. The undead were starting to catch up, despite Percival's efforts, and night was coming. Once he lost the light, he couldn't stimmy their advance at all. He kept shooting them, reducing the horde's numbers one by one. The undead ran hard and without the bane of exhaustion. Now that the beasts were closer, he could make out someone in the pack riding the corpse of a once great stallion. This was the only shape in the horde without the putrid rotting flesh that commonly marked the monsters. He tried to line up a shot, but the resurrectionist wasn't taking any chances. A clean line of sight never materialized, perhaps a trick of the dust. Without warning, the horses drew up short again and Elsa screamed. Percival looked over at her, his eyes narrowed. I told you, he began, but she pointed ahead of them. Her gloved hand was trembling as it clutched the little brown package against her chest. Even before he finished turning to see what had scared her, one of the guards on horseback unleashed a pair of shots. The body fell to the ground with a thud, and it was clear even before the dust settled that this wasn't the first time the stranger had died. Percival spat the last of his chew over the side of the cart as he saw a second dust cloud rising in the distance in front of them. Hold on, he warned, and snapped the reins. The horses charged forward, and he sat facing forward, peering down his sight at the new threat. His hands moved quickly to discharge the few remaining shots in his gun and replaced the cartridge with one of many pouches under his coat. The wagon crested a small dune just as the sun began to threaten twilight, and Percival pulled them to a stop. We'll do what we can here while we have high ground. Then, well, you'll know. He spoke to the three guards when he brought their horses to stand beside him. They knew what he'd left unsaid. They would need to engage the undead up close if there was to be any hope of getting through. Percival counted about fifty undead shuffling their way toward the small crew. Most of the zombies were once men, and now carried improvised weapons. Hammers, axes, shovels, or in one case, the giant core of a cactus, which appeared to be attached by only its thorns to the dead man's hand. They couldn't be more than a hundred paces away, and were closing fast. I'd get down there if I were you. Percival raised his rifle and took aim. With a short clucking noise from Percival as their cue, he and the guardsmen opened fire simultaneously. The air was filled with the smell of gunpowder and rotten flesh baking in the sun. Elsa ducked her head and covered her mouth with her handkerchief, in a futile attempt to block out the smells of carnage. The only break in the onslaught of noise came when the guild agents stopped to eject their spent ammo and replace it with fresh loads. Corpses littered the sandy ground, but there were still dozens of undead moving steadily forward. More than one of them that had been put down rose up again, fighting on with half-severed limbs or torsos that could no longer support the weight of their upper bodies. They were far enough back not to be a threat, but the standing zombies were getting too close for comfort. As if driven by living intelligence, two of the undead broke through the crowd and charged at the rider nearest to the front of the cart. Percival lifted the rifle to aim and fired off two shots in quick succession. One of the undead fell in the path of the second, forcing it to stumble. 
it was an easy task for the well-trained guard to finish him off. One of the guards shouted, and as a group they raced forward to engage. Percival didn't see any more than that, as several undead approached from the opposite direction. He leapt from the cart, still holding the oversized rifle in one hand, while he drew the large knife at his waist with the other. With the practiced quick movements used to reload during a gunfight, the rifleman sliced the blade through a decaying chest. He pulled it free in a shower of thick blood, only to burst through the rotted head of another zombie on the backswing. Hold this, he muttered to the creature through a self-pleasing chuckle. Elsa cried out, and Percival shot a glance towards the woman. She was holding a shoe that she'd been using to beat back a wounded zombie climbing up the side of the cart. The undead was once an older man with a big bushy mustache, now falling out in clumps. His head exploded. It took Elsa a moment to realize that it had been Percival's shot rather than her own attack that had ended the creature's existence. The zombie fell, twitching to the ground. And Percival could spare no more moments on the subject. A slimy hand grabbed his arm and he spun, knocking the attacker back with the butt of his rifle. There was a moment of hesitation as he realized this zombie wasn't like the others. Instead of a broken man rising from the dead, this one was an elderly woman wielding a knitting needle in place of a club. He blinked. One shot obliterated her just as the others. He reclaimed his knife from the fallen zombie with a thanks, friend, and turned to face the last of them. There were only three left, but they were spreading out to circle him. Got half a brain left between y'all. Without bothering to sight, he lifted the rifle and fired his last shot. Could have been more than half, he judged. Taking a moment to study the grey matter suddenly splayed on the sand. One of the other zombies looked to see what he was talking about. Percival chuckled to himself, realizing the man had just enough mind left to get distracted. Its head kept going as the butt of Percival's rifle slammed into its temple. The creature spun backwards, landing face down in the sand. Its neck twisted so far around that it broke open in a spray of blood. The last zombie's eyes gleamed with dark intelligence. It approached Percival slowly, reaching out with a massive hand. In life he would have been large and imposing, but bloated by death, he was nothing short of terrifying. Fear flashed through the rifleman, but passed as quickly as it came. The gore-covered knife flew from his hand and landed squarely in the middle of the zombie's chest. Instead of falling over, he reached down and tugged at it curiously. Percival took his chance and flew in with the rifle swinging. It caught the side of the zombie's face, but it might have hit solid rock for all the effect it had. Percival realized he had put himself in a very bad position. The dead man's iron-like hands wrapped around Percival's throat and lifted him up as his rifle fell to the ground. He didn't have a chance to worry about it. Finesse lost, he tried to dig the hands away from his throat, but succeeded only in pulling bits of flesh away from bone. He reached out to grab at the knife in its chest, but found it wedged too tightly into bone. Percival's lungs were burning, 
and his vision began to narrow. The zombies shook him, encouraging him to die faster. As the world began to go black, he heard the echo of two more pistol shots. The hands loosened enough for him to grasp a pull of air, and he desperately yanked the fingers from his throat. He hit the ground moments before the massive zombie did. Not your normal rezzer, he muttered, allowing himself a moment to sit on the ground to catch his breath. The guard nodded his agreement as he reloaded his pistol. The trampled bodies littering the ground let off a greasy stench. More than half were unrecognizable chunks of meat, while others rendered a disturbing portrait of bodies cut. The hot dirt began to mix with pools of blood. Percival recovered his rifle as he rose. He checked the sight and made a small adjustment. The knife was still too tightly bound in the behemoth's chest to extract. With a shrug, he shouted to his crew, Keep moving. The dust behind them was larger than ever. sat next to Percival on the bench, still holding one shoe through the bouncing of the wagon. She pinched it between two fingers, touching it as little as possible. Percival looked at the shoe, then reached across her to reclaim his tobacco pouch. Elsa flinched and pressed the small package against her chest protectively. Thanks, he said as he pulled out a thick wad to chew on while he went about the process of reloading and checking his rifle's mechanisms. The terrified horses pulled eagerly at their bits, unused to combat like the mounts of the guild guards. He worked in silence for a while, cleaning and reloading the weapons of the rest of the crew from his vantage on the wagon bench. 
Didn't meet no Ridgers on the way in, did we, boys? The forced conversational tone was enough to make Elsa sit straighter in her seat. She had sacrificed her handkerchief to clean her shoe and was fully shod once again. There's got to be something real special to raise so many zombies for it. This time he looked at her, dispelling the illusion that his observations weren't questions. I don't recall agreeing to tell you my secrets when we made this deal, Mr. Jones. Elsa wrapped her thin hands over the brown paper package. The terrified look she had worn earlier was fading, as if all she had needed was both shoes on her feet to recover her poise. Percival spat, ignoring the use of his proper name in the face of his curiosity. He opened his mouth to press the matter further when one of the other guards spoke. They're in range for you. The rifleman nodded and prepared his weapon to start firing again. You'll tell me when we're done with this, Miss Mills, or you can walk to promise. He tossed the reins into her lap again and stepped into the back of the cart. Over the next half hour, he had shot more undead than he cared to count, considering the size of the mob still gaining on them. He looked ahead and saw they were approaching a man-made passage through one of the taller mountains. There would be a small supply outpost inside that could keep them stocked with enough ammo to take care of the horde, and the small entrance would bottleneck them. The impossible fight was suddenly less hopeless than it had been a moment before. Night was pressing in, the last glimmering of daylight fading like a dream. In there, he ordered, stepping back to take control of the cart. He didn't bother to sit, but guided the horses from a standing position. He whipped the reins and they surged ahead. Lathered in sweat and panting pitifully, the horses labored their way inside the pass. A small wooden lean-to marked a defensive position. Nearby would be a hidden supply, if someone hadn't found it already. Find the ammo stores and then come back here. Miss Mills, I want you to wait inside that room and don't come out until I give you the all clear. He nodded to the small shack. Elsa looked at it and frowned. Placards were posted throughout the small area, detailing the best way to take out some of the more common never-born in the area. Years before, the Sheriff of Promise had hired the Ortega family to create these outposts as a measure of safety for travellers. When she turned to protest being stuck in the dark room, Elsa saw that Percival was already busy setting up for the onslaught. One of the guards had found a second rifle, which was shorter and rustier than his own, but would allow him to shoot twice as much before stopping to reload. A large box of shells sat on his other side, and she saw now that one of the guards had been hurt in the last fight. His arm was torn open, and inflamed as if it was already rife with infection. Instead of shooting, he would sit by Percival's side, reloading whichever rifle he wasn't using at the time. The other two guards prepared to take turns shooting and reloading their own guns, keeping up a continuous stream of fire at the entryway. Let them come. Percival spat again, rolled his shoulders, and then took aim at the door. The zombies didn't take long to catch up and soon he was shooting them down in ones and pairs as the fastest creatures made their way into the defensive position. The bodies were piling up, making footing even more difficult for their incoming allies. 
Percival entertained the idea that they might be able to pile up enough bodies to blockade their enemy on the other side of the pass. Forcing them to go around the small mountain would give his crew a significant lead. He had gone through three repetitions of switching guns, when a strange breeze blew into the small shelter. It wasn't cold or even wind as far as he could tell, but it made the hair on their arms and the backs of their necks stand on end. The zombies they had already gunned down gave out pitiful groans and rose upwards, as if they were puppets on strings. Each time they managed to shoot one down, it rose again as soon as there was space between its rotten companions. Four ranks deep, the zombies moved towards the crew. There was enough room for two carts to pass side by side, but the mass of dead bodies still fought over each other, each attempting to get to the front of the mob. Despite the futility of it, Percival and the other guards continued to fire. He hoped for a brief moment that Elsa would have the presence of mind to run for it. The horde was upon them. Percival could smell the stench of the rotting flesh in their teeth as he reloaded and fired as fast as possible. Then the entire mob stopped moving at once. They stood impossibly still. Percival stared at them for a moment before looking over to one of the guards. With a shrug, he fired point-blank at the nearest target. It collapsed to the ground and then pulled itself up again, worse for the hit, but still moving. Amelie! A man's voice echoed in the small throughway, and the guild members looked at each other in confusion. No one called that here, Percival yelled back. He still had his gun trained on an immobile zombie, so when they moved again, he fired without thinking. Two shots went off in quick succession as the other two armed guards followed suit. They kept shooting until they'd spent their loaded ammo. Percival was reaching for the second gun when he realized the zombies had cleared a path in the center. No need for that. A man walked between the parted undead. He was humble-looking, but the cut of his clothes suggested he was not without means. Beneath a small bowler cap, his hair was pinned straight and exactly the same color as Elsa's. Where is my sister? I know she's here. I can feel it in her bones. Don't you be coming one step closer now. Percival raised the rifle at him, and the resurrectionist paused. Luck would have it that his personalized rifle would be the one out of ammo. But he was a good enough shot with any gun, assuming a straight barrel. The man looked at the old long arm, then at the uniformed guard still dumbly holding their expended pistols. Guild. His lips peeled back in disgust, and the undead shifted, more eager than ever to tear their flesh apart. This hasn't got anything to do with the guild. He took another step forward. Get on out, before my pets here decide they haven't had enough to eat. Percival adjusted his grip on the rifle, and was raising it to his eye when Elsa flew from the shelter her expensive shoes causing her to run unsteadily in the dirt. Percival, don't! His trigger finger twitched as he jerked. The shot meant for the man went wide, blowing the head off the zombie to his left. Elsa turned her attention to the well-dressed gentleman. Trevor, you better listen to this gent here. 
He is obligated to keep me safe. The man looked at his sister and scratched at a bit of stubble growing on his chin. I would let all go off if he gave me what was my name. His winter blue eyes flicked down to the brown package she never set down. Father left it in my hands. He knew you'd abuse it. It's a treasure, not a tool. She held the small item so tightly that the wrapping threatened to tear. Trevor took another step towards them, and another shudder rolled through the zombie horde as they sensed the tension of their master. This is your last chance. If you weren't my sister, Percival, if he takes one more step. She was trembling now, and retreated further behind her protector. Still the man came forward, but this time, instead of shuddering, the horde moved with him. The single shot rattled the past walls, nearly burning through the air. Trevor reached up to touch the hole in his chest, then looked at the rifleman in disbelief. His zombies froze in place. Many of them fell to the ground, returned to the peace of death. But some were made of sterner, hungrier stuff. Go, shouted Percival Jones. As one, the four guild members turned and fled. Behind them came the sounds of flesh meeting flesh. It seemed that without a master, such constructs would turn even on their creator. Several miles beyond the pass, Percival called for a stop, so they could rearm their weapons and bandage the now pus-filled wound of his fellow. They built no fire despite the rapidly dropping temperature. Elsa wore a heavy horse blanket like a cloak, as the guild members huddled in their own coats. That man called you something else. He had dug out a few supplies and let the other guards figure out the best way to treat the wound. I used to go by my middle name when I was younger. My brother never grew out of our childhood, it seems. Her voice was softer now, shaking. Perhaps seeing her brother shot while leading an army of zombies had broken something inside her. Percival nodded, not pressing the point. He understood wanting to be called something else. It didn't take much longer until they were on their way again, rushing before the infected wound turned septic. Do you think he might have lived? Her voice was small, and he couldn't tell what she wanted for an answer. Either way, it didn't change the outcome. I don't ever miss. The rest of the right to promise passed without event. Each man and the lady walked or rode a beleaguered horse in silence. Percival and his crew saw Elsa off at the edge of promise, where she could manage to find a room for herself. She paid extra for their troubles and Percival accepted it without additional words. Then, as per protocol, they were to talk to the sheriff. After a drink. The sheriff was a large man, tall, wide-shouldered, and big around the belly. Working in a place like this, you had to be physically imposing. Promise was on the edge of civilization, but that also meant it was on the edge of the frontier. Where the hell you been, Percival? He rose to his feet so quickly that his chair fell over backwards. We're taking Miss Mills across the Badlands. 
Percival frowned and crossed his arms. It weren't easy. She got one hell of a brother. He pulled out a chair and sat, but the sheriff wasn't ready to calm down. The Alcimils ain't got no brother. The words hung in the air, and Percival felt a slow horror begin to creep into his stomach. It wasn't just that revelation, but the way the sheriff was worked up. You didn't last long in a town like this if you let every setback row you. On top of that, the Mills were a rich family. Though fresh through the breach, they had money, but few knew them well. They would be perfect for... Where's the real Elsa Mills? Percival stood and began to reach for his rifle, though he knew there was no one handy to shoot that would fix this mistake. The two men looked at each other, and then together they ran for the door. There was only one person in town who could answer that question, and she had just been left out of their sight. Elsa, or Emily, could not be found. She had stepped into the local inn, and then slipped right out the back door. Two streets down, she stopped at a house that had the guild's ram symbol above the door. At a glance it seemed to be a show of support, but looking closer, she could see there were small symbols carved into the wood beneath. She knocked twice, hesitated, then knocked again. A female voice answered from inside. Who's there? The new moon under which all our dreams will come true. Let me in, Stella. After everything she'd been through, she didn't have the patience for secrecy games. The door opened to reveal a hooded figure. Through the shadows, her stark white hair stood out, a shocking burst of pale around her dark face. She motioned Elsa in before closing the door behind her guest and drawing two locks for safety. Let me see it. She threw back the hood of her cloak and reached out a grasping hand, but Elsa drew it back. We had a deal, she reminded her. Stella frowned and reached into her pocket, handing over something wet and meat-like, wrapped in wax paper. Elsa took the object and studied it. It seemed to be what she wanted. She passed the brown package into the white-haired woman's eager hand. The mill's stone, the old lady breathed, and undid the string. Brown paper fell away, leaving a bright soul stone in her hand. It was pale purple and glowed with the trapped power of dozens of souls. The mills never knew what they had. They were earthside when the breach originally closed. She moved the soul stone into her other hand and drew out the chain attached to it. They passed it down from parent to child, but traditionally only on death. You see, they didn't believe in magic. She pulled the chain over her head, and the stone settled on her chest. Her hair began to sway in the air like kelp on a wave. The lanterns in the room flickered. A hundred years. Elsa took a step back. What difference will one more soul make? There was a sudden crack as the lantern erupted into blue flame. A whip of blue fire lashed out, striking Elsa in the chest, 
The air smelled of burning pork. Estella stepped over to the body of the woman most recently called Elsa Mills. The stone glowed a brighter purple for a moment as it drew in the younger woman's last moments. The difference was small, but Stella could feel it. Hmm. Even a lost soul like yours. She left the room by the rear door, locked it behind her, and tossed the key into dust.